Happy bye week, Broncos fans, and welcome to a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. This is episode number, Matt, where are we at with this? How many episodes in are 29? 29. All right. Well, we've made it. We've made that threshold. Not not too bad. Um, here we are recording this on Thursday. The Broncos, um, you know, players are probably off on various warm locales, resting their bodies, enjoying the bye week um, that they have ridden into on a two-game winning streak. The Broncos are three and five. They will have nine games remaining when they come back from the bye, beginning with a Monday night game in Buffalo, uh, a chance to get to four and five and, and win a third straight game. Um, and we thought bye week, great time to uh, to answer a few questions that that rolled into us um, and, and just kind of take it from there, right? A little bit of an audit of where this team is at, where it might potentially go uh, in the second half of the season. Um, and, um, you know, just kind of what sort of improvements we're seeing, areas of, areas of um, growth that are still out there for this team to achieve. Um, we'll kind of tackle all of it uh, with these questions. So, Matt, why don't we uh, why don't we get into it? What do we got this week? All right. Well, our first question is going to be coming from David, and it's talking about the the trade deadline. So, obviously, the trade deadline was yesterday at or sorry at Tuesday rather, and we saw some big moves. Teams like San Francisco and um, you know the Commanders were very active around the trade deadline. Um, but David's asking, why did the Broncos not make any moves at the trade deadline? Yeah, um, it's 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 a good question. Certainly, um, Denver was one of those teams that had been, you know, widely rumored to be uh, in the mix for being sellers at this deadline, right? And and a big part of that is when you start one and five, which is where the Broncos were after their Week Six loss to the Chiefs in Kansas City. Um, you know that that's that's part and parcel of of this of, of your status of of where you are. Teams are going to be calling and as Sean Payton said teams that are calling about players want you know want it to be known that they are you know making those kinds of moves and that's where you get a lot of the stuff a lot of the rumors but internally from what I understand with the Broncos is is they they were still viewing this as needing time to to evaluate where they were at with certain players right and and eight games for a brand new regime um you know that the feeling was just not quite enough time to to fully do that especially when you added in the fact that over those last two weeks um, they were starting to see some significant progress. And even if you go back to the week six loss that they did have to the chiefs um, defensively um, really did some good things in that football game as well. And so I just think all of that combined um, with the fact that and I'd written about this in early October, that the, the, the market for sellers ha has just not been very good. I mean, you mentioned the the Washington Commanders who traded both Chase Young and Montez Sweat, two of the, you know, two of the really talented uh, members of that defensive front for for, for the Commanders. Um, you know, Chase Young was a was a, a number two overall pick and brought back um, a second rounder. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and, and you know, Chase Young had he lived up to the billing of a number two overall pick? Maybe not quite, um, but but certainly a very capable and talented talented player. Um, who, who most teams would like to have rushing the passer. Um, San Francisco was able to get him for uh, a second round pick. Right, that, 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 wait, he went to San Francisco yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Chase yeah. yeah, yeah. Young went to San Francisco for a second round. Montez Sweat went for a third round. Okay. Yeah. So, so again, um, that, that, and that was about as well as team teams did a large majority of the trades otherwise went for, you know, late round, late round pick swaps. And, and I just don't think that the Broncos, um, in terms of the 
the potential value that they would get. And they were listening to these calls team teams called up until the end of the deadline. I'm told, um, you know, with, with some offers for, for various players on Denver's roster, but the value for them just wasn't there. And and so now what you do is you turn to the second half of the season and, and you look at some of the players that were, that were rumored, like um, you know, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Josie Jewell, and say, these guys are here. We've started to create a little bit of momentum. How can we continue to accentuate what those players do well? And then maybe we come back in the off season and explore where our roster is, explore more opportunities to make trades when there's a larger collection of teams, um, you know, that are in it. Every team is, you know, in it theoretically at the beginning of the year. Um, and so we'll just have to see where it goes once the season is over, but yeah, no, no trades will now take place until March, uh, at least officially, you know, we, you start hearing, um, kind of the unofficials in, in about February sometimes, but for now trade trade stuff with the Broncos is, is done. And, and that's just sort of the decision they made. Yeah. The only other one that seemed to be at all splashy was the Razul Douglas one where, you know, the Packers went and like the Packers got a third round pick, but in exchange for a fifth. So they moved up two rounds fairly early. That was a pretty big haul for a guy like Roswell Douglas. So I definitely the, the market was not in the favor of, of sellers. At well, the it's interesting that he, he went to Buffalo, right. And um, you know, that that's the guy that they'll now face again after, right. after Cortland Sutton beat him for a, for a touchdown uh, in the green Bay game in week seven. So right. There's like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll take yeah. it to Russell Douglas. Um, right. yeah, he probably won't get caught in that same wash that he did for that for that touchdown. But, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right. So our next question comes from Cody. So we've had a couple of – or several weeks now, we kind of went back to the first game against the Chiefs. is kind of sh- starting to show some marked defensive improvement. Um, you know, holding the Chiefs to minimal points for a couple of weeks and, you know, the, the doing well against – yeah, in the other games there, we've started to see an improvement on the defense. Cody wants to know, do you think that improvement we have seen is sustainable over the rest of the season? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it, it's first important to point out that the Broncos have been relatively healthy um, over the last few weeks across the roster. Um, you know, DJ Jones, I think, missed, missed a game across these last four. Um, and, and obviously, Kareem Jackson, uh, his his suspension held held him out for for the Chiefs. They they didn't really seem to miss him with the athleticism that that PJ Locke has brought to that position. Um, but by and large, the Broncos have been healthy, much more so than they were at the beginning of the year when they were without Justin Simmons during you know they're probably their two worst defensive games, which was the the Miami game in Week Three. And then the, the Bears game in week four, even though they ultimately won that game, I'd throw maybe the commanders game in there as well, particularly in the second half, which is when, um, you know, Justin Simmons got hurt right before the end of the first half. He never comes out of a game when he gets hurt and and certainly wouldn't make excuses for his performance in the second half. But I but I think you can kind of start to piece that together with not having him in there. They've, they've been a totally different team since he came back. And, and so that's when you ask about sustainability, that's where it is to me. Like if this group remains relatively healthy to the, to the degree that they have been, um, you know, over the last four or five weeks of the season, then I do think it's sustainable because I think they've figured a lot of things out um, that they've made some of the personnel adjustments that they needed to make. And to their credit, we're, we're pretty quick in doing so. And that's, you know, again, clearing the deck so that they're young, um, you know, as we're starting to see pretty talented young pass rushers. Um, getting more steps, getting a guy like Baron Browning back um, has been significant. I wrote about that this week and just his, his pressure numbers are, are at the top of the league since he came back. 
um, you know, Nick Benito playing with the confidence that he is Jonathan Cooper, um, getting those guys more opportunities has been big. Um, Jaquan McMillan taking over that nickel role for Isang Bassey, uh, who had been the replacement for Kwan Williams initially. Um, that has been a major upgrade, particularly against the run. Jaquan McMillan has been very good against the run from that nickel spot. Um, you know, you, you've made some other adjustments, uh, a little more Mike Purcell uh, on the front line, a little less Jonathan Harris. Um, you know, they, they've done a few schematic things uh, and all together it's, it's combined to make them what we thought that they would be uh, going to the season, which was, you know, a, a top, top 10 defense over uh, since week five. That's essentially what this has been. Now that, that's a relatively small sample size, but I think you've seen enough from a sustainability standpoint that, that this unit can continue to play that way going forward. And if they do, the Broncos are going to give themselves a chance to win a lot of games because again, this offense is much improved from 2022. Um, it's it's not always super pretty, uh, but they but they functionally operate a lot more consistently than they did a year ago. So you combine that with the defensive improvement, you're going to give yourself a chance in most games, and and that's what we've been seeing the last few weeks. So I, I do think it's I do think it's a sust- sustainable formula. Again, they they don't still don't have a ton of depth. So if, if injuries start to hit that, that's what could really hurt this team. Um, but, but I think as is right now, uh, I think you can look at it and say, yeah, I, I can see why this unit can continue to play well. Yeah. And Fabian Moreau is another guy that's come in, but I, yeah. And then I watched, or I watched back some of the all 22 and it, it, PJ lock and he was just flying all over that field on Sunday. Like that dude was, was ready to play. Um, so it's, it's good to get him back. It's been fun to, it yeah. was fun to watch him play some see Eric, seeing him get out there. All right. Our next question comes from Rachel. And this is one that we've talked about once or twice on the show. I'm still trying to figure out uh, where's Marvin Mims, Nick. She asks, why has Marvin Mims not been more involved in this offense? And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to let you answer that one obviously too. Cause I, ha- I can't, I can't figure that one out. Yeah, it there is no easy answer. We'll we'll just say that right off the top. Um, and, and a lot of us covering this team have sort of been, um, you know, knocking our heads against the wall trying to figure that out um, or, or provide a better explanation as to why that has been the case. Because when you looked at the first four weeks of the season, um, nobody had more deep targets or deep catches than Marvin Mims in the NFL. Uh, we were talking, you know, 30, 30 air yard pass pass attempts had six targets, five catches among those. Um, two touchdowns, or, or uh, I'm sorry, one touchdown. But he, but he has been a guy f- who who has continued to make those plays in on special teams. He is arguably right now the most dynamic punt returner in the NFL. Um, he's had a kickoff return for a touchdown as well this year, and so like it's it's certainly not as if he's not capable of making this. One thing I'll say is this: I, I think NFL is a league in which defenses close holes really quickly, and by that I mean. Marvin Mims came into this league, just like most, a lot of rookies do as something of a virtual unknown in terms of how he would be used in an NFL system. Um, and, and so I think a lot of what you're seeing is, you know, teams, teams not having some of the holes that they had early in the year. Like I look at the, the, the commander's game in which he, he went up, he went just straight up the seam for, for a touchdown. You played, you gave him no over the top help on a, on a corner that was playing outside leverage. Um, it was just, it was a, it was definitely a defensive breakdown in that situation. And then he, for his second huge catch in that game, he just beats one-on-one man coverage on the outside in which again, that that's sort of a personnel thing of 
of not understanding how much room you needed to give, where you needed to cut the angle off as he went up the sideline. Um, so I think part of it is that. I think defenses are sort of adjusting a little bit to the way that they're using him. Um, you know, they've tried to do things to get him the ball in space. I wrote about this today, actually. Um, their wide rec- the, the Broncos have been excellent as a running back screen team. They're arguably the best in the league at it. They scored three touchdowns alone on on uh, running back screens. No other team in the league has more than one. Um, and that's to say nothing of the, you know, the first downs that they pick up with it. They've been really good in that fast of the game. They have been equally bad in wide receiver screen game. And that's the, that's one way that they've tried to get Marvin Mims the ball. He has four catches on wide receiver screens for seven total yards. So they're not, whether it's the tackle, not getting to that outside defensive back quick enough to, to create the tunnel hole, whatever the case might be, not calling it against the right pressures. They've not been able to have success with that. So it then comes down to what are some, what are some other ways if these, if these deep shots aren't materializing, how do you get him the ball? And I think, I think it's been a work in coverage discovering what his route tree is. Um, you know, I think there's been some times where he's not necessarily, um, whether whether he's not a quick enough target when he lines up in the slot, because I hadn't, I hadn't checked it after this game, but going into week eight, Matt, I think he had run something like 25 routes out of the slot and never been targeted. So it's, it's, again, they, they've got to figure out ways to, um, you know, just get him the ball in some different spots. I I do think this, this bi-week audit will be an important time to to sort of develop some of that um but whether the, it ultimately results in him getting the ball in different spots getting the ball a little bit more frequently um that remains to be seen um and then the last thing i'll say is part of its game plan like they're they're running the football more they're trying to leave russell wilson less exposed in general and so that certainly kind of means a lot of these longer developing deep routes on which mims thrived early in the season I think Sean Payton has come to realize like we just cannot leave Wilson exposed for that long. We don't, we're not protecting it well enough. He's not really mobile enough to, to deal with, with the pressure that comes from some of those plays. And then therefore they just haven't been able to take as many of those shots going forward. So again, identity uh, th- there's, there's a large majority of it, but that being said, it, it's not a, it's not a full excuse. You have a very talented dynamic player. It's up to this coaching staff to figure out how to get them involved. Yeah, and some of it too may be that over the last few weeks, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy have both been playing better, seeing more separation, seeing more targets in the passing game. So maybe there's just fewer targets to go I think go there's around, a but... comfortability factor there too in, in that regard. Like at this at this kind of point in, his, in the season, his career, fewer pass attempts. I think Russell Wilson is just like, he got to this point a little bit last year too where just starts to lean on what, what is comfortable. Um, but, you know, again, you're – you might have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to um, really start to test the ceiling of what this offense could be, at least in, in 2023. But again, he's, he's a rookie. He's, he's a second round pick. Um, You know, he's not a perfect route runner. He doesn't get perfect separation. Um, You know, so he's still developing as a player as well. I I think all of that goes into it, but yeah. um, When you see something as dynamic as he was in that Washington game and then getting that, you know, essentially a game winning catch against the bears. Cause it set up the field goal. Like, okay, we, it, we've been teased yeah. with sign it. me Where up for more of that. Sign me up for more of that. And I, the Broncos got to, you know, come hell or high water. They got to figure it out. 
Yeah, and wide receiver is one of those positions where a lot of times in the NFL, rookies tend to have a little bit of a steeper learning yeah. curve. The 100%. defensive, like, and, and most guys and, not named Justin Jefferson do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the 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 cornerbacks and NFL compared to the the college level are just so much faster, so much more physical, so much better at hand fighting at the line of scrimmage and like knocking you off of your route and, and messing with timing and stuff like that. So a lot of times there is cornerback and wide receivers seem to be the ones where the experience in the league at that speed tends to play, pay a lot of dividends. So hopefully as things continue, we get to see, see more of him picking up. All right. So our next question comes from Jordan uh, and it's a, I guess it's a two parter. So the question is, what do you think Denver's final record will be? And then the second part is what record do you want to see from Denver to consider this a successful season at this point? Yeah, I actually got asked this uh, um, on a radio appearance that I did earlier. And I think, I think the Broncos should look at these remaining nine games on this schedule, five on the road, four at home and say, we should have a winning record in the second half of this season. I, I think that's an achievable goal. And if you did that, if you if you got the winning record at five and four, then that means you would have finished seven and four over your last 11 games. And I think it's doable when you look at the schedule, Matt, like I said, five on the road and 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 four at home. But I think three of these road games are pretty winnable. Uh, that, that starts um, with with Houston, December 3rd. Now, look, I'm not saying that they are not capable of beating a Bills team that has been inconsistent in a lot of areas this year, but Going to Buffalo, um, you know, facing that team at a place that you just is hard to play, and the Broncos don't have don't play in a lot. Um, is I think that's a pretty tall task. But you then get into a couple of of pretty winnable road games at Houston on December third, at the Chargers on December tenth, and then you close at uh, at a Raiders team in Week eighteen that that obviously is is going through it, uh, having changed uh, changed their coaching staff, firing uh, Josh McDaniels earlier this week. Um, and then, and then the home games are Minnesota, uh, Minnesota team that, that, um, has a quarterback issue now that Kirk Cousins has gone down Cleveland the following week at the end of November, which has had its own, uh, issues at, at quarterback. You have the Patriots at home, you have the chargers at home. So again, I look at this, I look at the schedule and say, uh, I think they should be able to go five and four. And, and I, that, that's sort of my, my guess now that what would that leave you? Overall, Matt, I know we're not great at math, but I think we can deduce that, that would be eight and nine. Um, so that would be season number eight in a row without a playoff appearance. It would also be season seven in a row with a losing record, which is not what the Broncos hoped to be when they started the season. But if you start one and five and finish eight and nine, I, I think you feel pretty good about the direction that you're going, considering you do have a first round pick for the first time in three years um, in April. Um, and then you, you see, maybe they, they figure out other ways to add, add some draft capital, but, um, yeah, I look at the schedule. I look at the way that they're playing. We talked a little bit about when, when your defense is playing the way that they are, you just, you're going to be in most of these games. And, and I think, you know, Sean Payton's experience, um, you know, in, in those kinds of games will start to play out a little bit more over the second half of the season. And, um, you know, I could be off, uh, you know, may, maybe they resort to some of this stuff, but, but I think the schedule with, with some of the breaks they're getting, like talking about things like the Kirk cousins injury um, you know, that the Raiders being a, a team that has fired, it's it fired its head coach. 
um, you know, you you look at it and, and you do see some opportunity there to go on a little bit of a run. And if they if they were to go and beat Buffalo on November 13th, then you're then you're changing the calculus of the whole thing. So um, that's going to be a really, really fun game, really interesting game coming up here in about 11 days. Yeah, the Buffalo game coming off the buy is definitely one that is, gives you a little bit of a barometer. If even if they don't win, if they are competitive and make that a close game. You're then looking down the barrel at Minnesota with probably Joshua Dobbs at quarterback, who's currently one of seven this year. Not the most impressive. Um, The Cleveland Browns, who have struggled significantly. And the the Houston Texans, who have played better than expected. But it did just just lose to the Panthers. And it's a so that's another game you should win. If you even if you lose to the Bills, but you could potentially be staring at six and six. At, after that Houston Texans game coming down the stretch. And again, this this team has not played consistently enough for us to be like, yeah, they are going to be six and six and in the playoff hunt. But at the same time, like this is the NFL. We, stranger things have happened. So like it's not out of the realm of possibilities that you're sitting there at the start of week 14 at six and six. Then make, having a legitimate shot at talking playoffs. Um, so I don't know that. You know, you, you but that, that really starts those three games. I think at the after the Texans game, we have a pretty good idea of where this team is sitting for the rest of the season. Yeah, they're yeah, not six and six. If they're not six and six, then that's a that's going to be a, a, a rough a rough close to the season. I think. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're not six and six, you would have to you would essentially have to run the table uh, over the last five games to have any chance. And one of those five games being at Detroit. Um, you know, prop, probably not a chance. I still, you know, the, the playoffs to me is, is still, um, I don't want to say pure fantasy at this point, but, but something just South of pure fantasy, um, right. because of, you know, the odds, what, what the odds tell you, but again, you know, this is a team that in one week jumped from, you know, a half a percent chance to make the playoffs to about 7%. Um, you know, if you look at some of the, some of the data models there, so, um, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty significant jump. And if you were able to go and, and beat Buffalo, that would, that would probably triple, triple or better um, at that point, your odds. And, and, and then all, if they beat Buffalo, all things really are on the table at, at that point because of the way the schedule sets up. Um, but I agree with you, even if they play competitively, um, you know, that could give you some, some hope, but you would then need to win three games in a row, um, which is, is not an easy thing to do in the NFL. I think the hardest game within that would be even though the Browns um, have had their issues at quarterback that defense um, while it has struggled a little bit the last couple of weeks that that still is a defense that can just give you nightmares and I just think of you know Miles Garrett the, the way that this Broncos team has given up pressure like yikes but um, winnable still a winnable game and and um, yeah but by beating Kansas City Matt they, they just they they kind of change the complexion of the second half we, if you're two and you're two and six Going into the bye, there's really just you don't look at any kind of path as realistic, um, right? And and still, again, a, a pure path to the playoffs. I don't quite see it, um, but but again, I, I think there can be a lot gained for this team, even if they don't make the playoffs, by playing a winning like a winning record over the second half of the year would be, I think, a pretty significant achievement and one that would would create, um, you know, just create some good momentum going into 2024. Absolutely. All right. Final question comes from Mike, and it's one that we've hit on throughout the season here. Um, do you think we'll see Jarrett Stidham at any point this season? Well, um, that's a great question. 
Uh, and again, we there's a lot of context to that. Um, we're talking about whether Russell Wilson would at any point get benched. Um, a lot of it hinges on what they decide to do with their future at the position, whether he think whether the team thinks that he's um, you know part of the future into 2024 and or beyond, um, or I guess just and beyond. Um, and uh, and so that all plays a pretty significant role into a decision that they might ultimately make to to bench him in order to prevent an injury. Um, that would then prevent him from passing a physical in March and would therefore guarantee this, this 2025 uh, salary of $37 million. Um, they have to make that decision in the coming months. And, you know, you do run a risk financially um, if, if he gets hurt. But I will say this, I think, I think if they're doing what we're talking about and, and, and going on a kind of a five and four run, well, you're, you're sort of in it till the end. Now, would you be, um, you know, going into that last game and saying, you know, this is, this is the last, this is the last game. We're already out of the playoffs. Like, let's see what we have. Maybe that, maybe that changes the calculus. But at that point, I think even if you're going to move on from Russell Wilson, you know, maybe you don't have that sort of indignity of pulling him, you know, for his last start in a, in a Broncos uniform. Now, if they lose to Buffalo and they come out and they, they then somehow, lose to the Vikings at home. Um, we lose to the, like whatever the case might be, there is certainly room in there for things not going as planned and then going South. Um, and then at that point, if you're, if you lose three in a row to this buy and you're, you're three and eight, um, the season essentially done. I, I do think then the wheels could start spinning toward the future. Um, but again, I think the way this team is playing, I still think Russell Wilson gives them the best chance to win right now. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to win football games. Um, you know, they, they see a path to the playoffs. <laughs> Javante Williams to Leslie said, he's like, we're not going to stop at the playoffs. We, you know, we, we're trying to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, okay. <laughs> but, but it just, it just goes to show that this is a team uh, like full of players that they think that they can go to the playoffs. They like the way that they're playing. They, they feel like they're starting to you know, starting to kind of understand schematically on both sides of the ball, what they're trying to do. Um, and, and so there is, there's, there's belief in that locker room that they can turn it into something. So until that changes, um, I don't see, I don't see a change at quarterback coming. Um, but again, it's hard to predict like some of the unforeseen, but I'll say, no, I, I think that Russell Wilson will finish this season out as, as the quarterback. Um, and um, that will still leave the Broncos with a big offseason decision to make. Um, but that'll be, um, you know, that'll be something that I would imagine we'd have another chance to talk about at some point down the road. Uh, plus 20,000 right now, Nick, are the odds on the the Broncos winning the Super Bowl. So, plus 20,000. Okay. Plus 20,000. You know, you throw down, you throw down 10 bucks on the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. And uh, it's a pretty good return on your money right there. You know? Yeah. What, what would that be? So it's a plus 20,000. Two grand. Two, two grand. Yeah. On a $10 bet to 10, two grand on a $10 bet. Yeah. That'd be pretty good. Um, I will still keep my $10 in my pocket, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's like I said, the, the Kansas city win was big for a lot of reasons. Um, a, you, uh, the most of which, which we talked about afterward was just sort of getting that proverbial weight off your shoulders, eight, an, an eight year losing streak in anything to anyone is, is just, embarrassing it's it sucks to be a part of that and so that they no longer have that to deal with um 
I, I think is big. It's, it was a huge confidence thing. They talked a lot about, hey, this is this is the defending Super Bowl champion. When you, Sean Payton said, when you beat a team like that, you start imagining yourself in that kind of in that arena, in that role. Now you have to do it more than once. You you know, Buffalo's another team that's sort of been in that zone, right? They've been to an AFC championship game. Um, you know, you go and beat a team like that, then you then you're starting to say, well, we we do this now. We beat teams that are that are kind of contending teams, but um, you got to do it more than once. It's got to become something of a consistent, a consistent product that you put out there, and and you started to achieve that, and, and belief goes up. But um, yeah, it, at, at the very least, it's made this to where you know I'm going to hop on a plane on Sunday the 12th, heading to Buffalo, and being really eager to see what comes of that game. So I, I, that that's not necessarily a, a, a place I thought I'd be. Um, you know, a, a few weeks ago when they dropped to one and five. Right. So it'll be at least make Eric, we spend a couple of weeks at least entertaining the idea that this team could ha- could finish strong. Yeah. Of course that last year was something of the same thing. They were two and five. They go to London. Uh, they, they beat the Jaguars. They decide not to make any substantive changes and they, they come out and, and just um, play one of the most aesthetically unpleasing games I've, I've watched uh, when they lost to the Titans, um, you know, and then, and lost, lost again after that and just sort of, you know, had, had no chance. Um, but, but again, I, I think this audit during the bye week will, will, will be pretty telling how the Broncos come out and how they look, um, you know, particularly offensively with what they do. Um, so I'm eager to see it. I'm eager to see um, what they bring. As for us, we will um, we'll be taking the weekend off. No game, so so no game to react to. But we will be back middle of next week um, as we start to more more specifically break down this game against the Bills. What the Broncos would have to do to pull off an upset there in Buffalo, and um, and then we'll be back post game afterwards on that Monday night, um, breaking it all down from there. So until then, uh, appreciate you guys stopping by. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.